Chris Coleman's men have freed Welsh football from the shackles of their history. Half a century or more of heartache, of lust, gust, failure. Now they know. Now they've done it. The government who wants to tighten up control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that. That is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent. We know who the hard left are, who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. The hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation as a hard left wing position. Hard left, the 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 left, the hard left, the hard left, I've shown you this before because it's one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. Caetano Veloso did an English language album uh, when I was a boy. When I was a boy, when I was about 16 or 17, I was like banging to him, so I like, bought it immediately. And there's a cover of uh, It's Alright, Ma, I'm Only Bleeding on there. And it's the worst fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, who's who's like, this? Who did, Caetano who did? Veloso, the um, brilliant songwriter. Oh, I thought it was like some, some Welsh guys, no, some, no, no. some some Welsh language superstar. <laughs> <laughs> he could he could he could be one of the Welsh Brazilians, you know. <laughs> Got everything working just in time to hear Jack sticking to the Welsh again. <laughs> <laughs> you just you it's came like I've never been away. Going. Yeah, it's not like a fucking buying wine. This is ridiculous. Like uh, this is like the most fucking Zans mode thing that I'm going to say all day. But I've been buying like. <laughs> Like wines of the Welsh diaspora. So like basically if I can find if I can find wine that's obviously made by people who are ethnically Welsh in like South Africa or South, South America is when I buy it. So I've been buying loads of wine by this Chilean winemaker called Louise Felipe Edwards. Which is fucking great, like really good wine. But anyway, I'm gonna shut up about that. What are the no. Welsh community in South Africa like? Yeah, man. Well, like, I'm guessing they, like, you know, they probably brought great shame on us as a nation. <laughs> <laughs> so, I probably don't think we're that much, man. But, yeah, yeah like... I think the people from most, like, white countries uh, who emigrated to South Africa ended up sort of bringing shame on their, their peoples. It's like this, um, I was reading about, like, Sid, Sid James, because, like, like, fucking Sid James is South African. Well, you know, the, the little St. James, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Sid James, the actor. That's what we call him uh, in the rap community. <laughs> I, li- I I recycled that joke from literally our last episode. <laughs> not anyway, about not I... about him. It was about Pete Buttigieg in that episode. <laughs> nice, you got any idea what you want to talk about or not? We Anything already are say... talking, aren't we? 
Oh, we did. We did. <laughs> <laughs> John Lydon or something. <laughs> 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 Talk, you know. <laughs> Jack, Jack, you made me read a really shit article earlier in the week. Norman. Oh, did I? Podcast. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna get into back. <laughs> <laughs> well, like the fucking chicken runners. Like, like I can't think of like anyone else who's bottled it quite so much in like all of British political history. Really. Yeah, you do it's have to start wild, to wonder, don't, don't you? It's unbelievable. Like it's just like like twice psyched himself up to run in to become leader of a political party, and twice bottled out. The second time, it wasn't even like a real fucking political party. Yeah, yeah. He's like, the, the he's only like, thing like I can think like, of that compares to it is David Miliband's bottling repeated coups against Gordon Brown. Yeah, <laughs> at least one of them went so far with like David Miliband's mates actually resigning. And then Miliband yeah. just sat there, they're all expecting, oh, when are you going to resign? You're going to resign at midnight, you're going to resign you know, just before PMQs. And was he's that, just, he's just like, blanking them all. This is when James like Purnell resigned. James Purnell and shit, and shit. yeah. Yes, yeah, so it, it actually man. cleared out some of the worst is. cunts in the brown government. Yeah, exactly, because like, you never heard from those cunts it's the most, again. <laughs> accidentally, the most left-wing thing David Miliband's done probably since he was a kid. <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, if we're all recording properly, um, I'll, like, fucking, I'll introduce this show. Um... Well, yeah, welcome to Real Politic, everyone, um, the only podcast. Our guest today is uh, me doing my eerily accurate Neil Kinnock impression. No, <laughs> it is our, our friend Stefan, at Face Bemused, known on Twitter as Shrieking Tin Man, a great right. Welshman and a good friend. Thank you, it's very, very kind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, with like, I'm trying to think of other great Welshmen now, isn't it? But, you know, a good friend a and a them, great like... Welshman, or a, a great friend and a good Welshman. I yeah, I prefer the that. Good like, I prefer better be a friend than I am being Welsh. Like... You know, there's that film where like George Clooney plays some like German guy who like doesn't like the Nazis or something. It's called The Good German. <laughs> you're, yeah, yeah. you're the good Welsh. <laughs> the good Welsh friend, yeah. <laughs> the one good one. Back it up, man. I was just like thinking, I just remember. Honestly, how, how many episodes have I been on now? I've never got an intro like that. <laughs> yeah, it's because you're, you're, like, you're not as like Welsh coded. <laughs> you have a more ambiguous accent. They trapped you like in England like... as a kid and you suffer doubly for it. You, you can... assumes you're in. <laughs> Yeah, you can pass basically, Geraint. Like in <laughs> the amount of people, the amount of people who have assumed that a man called Geraint James is English is incredible. <laughs> What's that like? I can't fucking, I can't imagine. Like, my name's like weird enough. I feel like loads of people, like English people, like always say to me, like, "Oh, it's an unusual name," and it's like. No, it fucking isn't. Like everyone in my school has got this. Yeah. <laughs> in, my, in my fucking in my maths class in GCSE, out of thirty kids, there were four Stefans. So it's like more than ten percent of the people there were called Stefan. But like, yeah, I can't imagine what it'd be like living anywhere other than Wales and being called Gay Ryan. Like, it's incredible. Like a, like a waking nightmare. Yeah. I'm so used to having to like explain how to pronounce my name and all that. And then you either go back to Wales or just meet anyone who is like Welsh or has a Welsh partner or something, and they get it spot on. It's <laughs> complete like oh yeah that's a perfectly normal name that loads of people have versus <laughs> yeah, that is a name that no one else in the world has it's like <laughs> one of these obscure MLS footballers that's called fucking Bobson Dugnut or something yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah. Thing, yeah. <laughs> like, I used to do like call centre work and stuff I've literally had people accuse me of being like an Indian call centre worker like multiple times 
for a very long you know just like doing my job when I'm getting paid like fucking minimum wage or something and someone's Lit- demanding to know where my parents you know, are from literally <laughs> Indian, I, I can top that even literally Indian Neil Kinnock everyone's favourite real <laughs> politic character Indian Neil Kinnock oh, when I was working at the British Gas Call Centre, you'd get the odd person like, confused about my name, but most of the actual customers didn't really give a shit. It was fine. But because it was a Scottish school centre, because it was in Glasgow, and the vast majority of the people working there were Scottish, because oh, it's British Gas, and the only customers they have left are old people who think we're still the gas board. Yeah, yeah. You'd get ones that would be like, I'm sorry, son, I just can't understand your accent to like any of my colleagues. Oh, I can't understand your accent, uh, uh, but I really want to switch supply to you or whatever. So I'd end up getting all... Uh, I need to speak to someone English if you've got someone. <laughs> and I'd get all the fucking referrals. Yes, I'm the only Bobby. person here with an English accent. Please give me your commission. But it's like in Sorry <laughs> to Bother You. from it, but you, it was eroding can... me. It's like in the film Sorry to Bother You, you do your best white voice uh, to get ahead in the call sense. Yeah, but I got stuck like that. It's <laughs> changed in your vocal cords, never were the same again. Distinguish slightly from white and black voice versus English and Welsh voice, it's not quite the same. Exactly, it's exactly the same. <laughs> I've been rewatching, you know, Burniston, uh, you know, sort of yeah. like Limmy, oh. yeah, that Scottish sketch show. I've been watching that and I realised I was watching some sketch where I think one of them was playing Simon Cowell last night. Fucking hell, these people cannot do an English accent whatsoever. <laughs> it's like watching, you know, like watching like a dog when you only pick up your dog by your front legs and it's walking around on his back legs. It's like that, listening to them trying to do a fucking English <laughs> accent. But it's bewildering to think of. There's only, you know, a couple of million of us in it, but it's like, if you put a gun to my head and said, like, do a convincing Cockney accent or something, mm. then I would just end up fucking dead. Like, I've got no, I've got no, I can't sound less Welsh. Like, I've tried over the years. It doesn't go away. It's like, if anything, the more English I try and sound, the more fucking Welsh it comes out. Like, well, I mean, I, I end up, I, like, over-pronouncing shit and stuff, you know? I, I'm Welsh and I can't do a convincing Welsh accent. And that's one thing. No, I always... But I've not really lived in Wales. I've spent a fair bit of time there visiting relatives and so on, but I've not lived there, so that's understandable. But my dad spent, like, the first, I don't know, 25 years of his life in and around Cardiff. And mm. he sounds like the sort of impression of an Indian that would get you hastily cancelled when he tries to sound Welsh. (laughs) Ironically, the one or two times he's tried to do, against all sensibility, tried to do an impression of, like, an Indian or Pakistani voice, he sounds Welsh. (laughs) Fucking, how does that work? Like, you speak to your Welsh gran on the phone several times a week for hours (laughs) and doesn't let you get a word in. Like... You're hearing, oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> oh god, man. Well, like it's fucking like I don't know, man. I like I enjoy being Welsh. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna trade in anytime soon. Like <laughs> it gives me a great deal of pleasure. Anyway, apart from that fucking Camrick nonsense, like what's going on? How we doing? You all right, like? Was that aimed at Grime? Everyone, man. Everyone. Just I'm just doing, I'm issuing a vibe check on behalf of me. Vibe check? <laughs> vibe's a bit better now, I think. I'm feeling yeah. the vibes now. I'm with the fellas. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fresh fucking wild night. Like, it's a fucking podcast for hours. Let's do, it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. I live for this. Jack hasn't slept in 60 hours. We're, we're essentially making him podcast tonight as an experiment. Yeah, this is live from Guantanamo Bay. Like, this is, <laughs> this is the feeling that we're going for. 
<laughs> I did actually. Life from a shipping container. <laughs> yeah, biggest, Sorry, biggest tokers to hit Guantanamo since Harold and Kumar. Again, this is not just going to become the reverse McCarthy at which whatever. <laughs> the Stalinist purge or whatever. That's kind of what um, we do. Like, <laughs> you just like, name these people and say we don't like them. But like with fucking is like absolutely an asset. There's like several things about his career that make absolutely no sense outside of that. As like a leftist, you try and train yourself out of sort of engaging conspiratorial thinking mm-hmm. or whatever, because it freaks out people you're trying to convince or talk to or persuade or whatever. And it's just like sometimes it's like him or like Chris Bryant or someone where it's just like, oh no, you are just like 100% directly on the payroll. If I went to like you know, your house on payday, I would find the fucking payslip. <laughs> it's not like complicated. What, but, like, th- do fucking... you think that about Chris Bryant? Is it, is yeah, yeah, I think Chris Bryant's a massive idiot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's good, man. <laughs> They're not sending their best, are they? <laughs> They're not sending their true. best, man. <laughs> Welsh legend. Yeah, I guess he's a Mason kind of character, isn't he? Yeah, man. Well, like with, Both um, Welsh. What's it called? He's not Welsh. <laughs> he's not Welsh as well, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Fuck it, man. What's that oh. like? He's still got the Welsh by your poor Mason. Still got the Welsh. <laughs> That's still got it. Still got it. Spent, he's spent enough time he's in Japan like, that he he's knows like, the, keep the dream of alive, not like. losing face. I mean, he's, he's, there's noise now of him rolling into his thing to North. I want to see him rebrand himself as a proper Cockney stereotype, like completely <laughs> over the top. Bear Islington, governor, <laughs> fully dressed up like a pearly king, just like full on pearly king all the time, going around the pubs, knees up, mother brown, all that shit. It's, it's like a shame it. he's not slightly posher like all his new mates because it would it'd literally be that fascio sketch, wouldn't it? Cockneys. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly says one good thing though. He's got like his pronouns in his bio in Welsh, and he's using South Welsh as opposed to North Welsh, so he has got that right. But yeah, it's such an obscure Welsh word that he's still using in his bio, and I'm genuinely struggling to pronounce it. But he says, "Newidiadurur," and yeah, I think that's it. And Gurthfaskit. So anti-fascist and journalist, and it's like oh. both those things are extremely in contention. When's the last time he did any fucking journalism? <laughs> what's, what's Welsh for Piccolo Gruppo di Stalinisti? Gruppo Chan or Stalinidwir? That would be. <laughs> yeah, oh, so. has, has he blocked me? Has he, has he blocked me on Blue Sky? <laughs> unless, unless he's deactivated. He's blocked, he's blocked me on there. Blue Sky, or no, he hasn't. He's just playing up. But right. he, yeah, he's still got in, in his. He hasn't used Blue Sky for two months. He was an early adopter, which means he's still got Wagnerite in his bio on there. <laughs> <laughs> he just what really likes classical music of the, the strong Germanic variety. <laughs> yeah. like... That's the one person where that's the, the, the least dodgy interpretation of it. Like You almost hope for his sake it's that. <laughs> Do you want to hear more well, about... He's a musicologist, isn't he? By training, he's a musicologist. Is he? That's what like his degree is in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, it's more like, but like, it's obviously like a sort of. It's hilarious because like I think it's one of the, it's one of those things sort of like slightly getting older and stuff. It's like you realise that like a lot of people who pretend to have a specialist knowledge don't really have it. Mm. And, like he's like fucking number one. Like it's like every time there's like any news event, he will put out like a you know twenty tweet thread explaining it, and it's like there is no fucking chance you have any understanding. Of <laughs> he's basically Britain's answer to Eric Garland now is what he's rapidly becoming. It's fucking wild, isn't it? And if you if you go. 
come back again and i don't want to just fucking pointlessly name names and, like start beef and shit but like oh it, we do is wild ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, apparently keir starmer's dog tried to escape from his captor during uh <laughs> d- during their holiday but uh, uh no but oh no i don't think this actually was keir starmer's dog i think he just he handed out posters for someone else's lost dog to um uh, to, to put people off the trail, good. isn't it? To put yeah. people off the trail. <laughs> to, to cast the eye of suspicion away from it. Yeah, ex- <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, to hide in plain sight. Uh, Gear Starmer no. dogging rumours. Okay, right. That's, <laughs> that's how it starts. Yeah, like, well, yeah, because I don't know, I like dogs and everything, but I can't help but feel that Gear Starmer would literally strangle a dog if it was like it, what stood between him and. He would like fuck and kill 60 dogs uh, <laughs> if he could become prime minister. Yeah, not easily, you know, it's just, uh, <laughs> I love that. That's actually how it's decided. It's like all the election results and stuff are fake. It probably That's is. They, yeah. they just yeah. put them in a room with 60 dogs. It's like the end of the crystal maze. <laughs> yeah, and if he doesn't fuck and kill all of them, then <laughs> he doesn't win. <laughs> Apparently they get members of the House of Lords to form the judging panel, which explains a few things. <laughs> God man, Keir Starmer like hasn't even annoyed me that much recently. I think I've hit capacity at like how upset, how annoyed I can be with him, or how pissed off I can be with him. I've so far like run out of the ability to be pissed off by him. It's unbelievable. Like the fucking, like the big sort of like Twitter discourse of this week was the fucking Diana Abbott tweet, isn't it? Mm. With about the about the migrants, and it's just like I can't fucking believe that there are people out there that think that like. The fucking like the current Labour leadership planning to keep all of the fucking anti-migrant measures and stuff that the Tories are putting in place now are less racist than Diana, but and fucking Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> it's like it's like I'm, I'm fucking losing my mind. Like, so it feels yeah. fucking ludicrous. What's wild as well? You see people being like, "Oh well, you know, she shouldn't have said it like that," and it's like. At this point, she's practically a fucking private citizen. Like she's been mm. fucking stripped of the Labour whip. She yes. say whatever the fuck she wants. It doesn't stop it being true, does it? The fact that it's upsetting to think about in like a fucking harsh use of words doesn't stop the fact that like fucking both political parties like fully on board with this fucking awful, murderous bastard policy. Yeah. Fucking ludicrous inversion of the fucking reality of the situation. It's so fucking disgusting. And like seeing that piece of shit, Jonathan Pye, Tom Walker, I think his name is fucking. Yeah. Criticizing her for her sweary tweet. It is like this is unbelievable. This Have is you what, ever like this is what his your own act... shtick back? This like, is what, ever. This is what his act would be if he had a moral conscience. If, <laughs> yeah. if, if, if he wasn't just if if he wasn't doing the mock indignation about say Diane Abbott doing that tweet or some other <laughs> inconsequential shite like that, he would be making jokes like they fucked off to the bottom of the ocean and died. Yeah, man. It's not a but great it's joke, like... but it's not fu- I don't fucking, you know, it's obvious what she was trying to say, isn't it? And fucking Lee Anderson had put the fuck off and die thing into the ether. It was, I mean, he put that out, uh, so fu- how the fuck is that on her? I know, man, it's ludicrous. Like, well, it was the thing, the entire fuck fucking... He didn't say fuck off and die, did he? Just no, he said fuck, fuck off, off back to France. France. Yeah. 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 Well, like with... literally fuck off back to <laughs> such and such. That's the, like, what, that's classic, that's stereotypical racism. It's just like, that's yeah. just like, how the BMP speak. But, oh no, you're not allowed to fucking do a twist on that. When fucking... they characterise a right-wing politician like that on a TV drama, 
all the right wing politicians on Twitter are like, oh, it's just caricature, you know. And, and, and <laughs> but but like, when someone literally says it, it's just a bit gauche. It's so preposterous. Because, like, the whole Jonathan Pike thing, like you were saying, his stick was, what if all this fucking, to indulge you a bit here, and fucking kayfabe around politics was removed? So the entire mm. point was, he thinks he's off air, so he's, you know, going, yeah. oh, the whole country's fucking fucked. Really, like, this fucking horrendous... You remember, like, when he was bigger, and you'd just be, like, on social media and stuff, and some, yeah. like, well-meaning liberal would retweet this thing, and you just have to see his fucking purple bollock of a face just, like, <laughs> yeah. scrunched up, like, shouting some fucking obscenity. It's, like, exactly what he did. And the moment an actual politician tries to inject a bit more fucking urgency or to speak more frankly about a matter of, like, literally life and death, he's like, well, of course, Diane Abbott's gonna fucked it up again, isn't she? And, you know, obviously, I don't need to finish that fucking sentence because we all know what he's actually fucking thinking when he's saying that. Yeah, you know, his first viral video was defending Diane Abbott. uh, (laughs) It was because people were making a big deal out of the fact that she and Corbyn used to be in a relationship. And he was just like, who gives a shit? Who fucks who? Like, this isn't the real issue. And now he's like, the real issue is whether you use a naughty swear when making a valid political point. As soon as Andrew Doyle joined as his writer, he immediately went much... I think he'd taken a few sort of snide or minor digs at Corbyn before, but he started going really heavy on the the left are just as bad and and anti-identity politics sort of stuff. Basically, as soon as he got a spiked co-writer, he started doing spiked bits. But they split up creatively a couple of years ago now. It would have been Mm. the latest, just before Doyle started doing his GB News show. Mm. And yet, Tom Walker, who's now presumably doing it on his own again, just seems to have internalised all the spiked online bullshit. It's just, it's created a new one. (laughs) This is how these fucking bastards proliferate. I want to get to the bottom of whether they actually did split, because I swear it doesn't say anything about Doyle's work with Pi being past tense. <laughs> this is Jack after the fact. So earlier today, I looked on the BBC's site at the writing credits for Jonathan Pye's recent call-in show, and Tom Walker is indeed credited as the sole writer with Andrew Doyle nowhere to be seen, so I guess i got to concede this one to Geraint. Well, like, we're sucking, like, the, the spike lot. I, I know way too much about them, basically, so I'm trying to, like, hide yeah. my power level as well, <laughs> which is difficult. But, like, what's repugnant about them is that they have got themselves now into a position where they've convinced themselves they'd, like, do all this comedy stuff. They run that comedy tour, Comedy Unleashed and stuff. But they've basically created, like, an exact inverse of the fucking humorless centrist comedians of, like, the last mm. ten years or so, where they're like, oh, you didn't you didn't laugh at my joke? Well, you know, you must be simply offended by my harsh truths. And they do that thing, and they've created, like, a perfect self-sustaining fucking echo chamber of completely humorless bastards. People who've never even been funny on accident. People have never been funny, like, have never been unintentionally funny. And then, like, you say, like, that's not funny. And they're like, what, too real for you? Am I making you question your underlying assumptions too much? And it's like, no, this is not funny. It's never fucking been funny. The more you try to make it funny, the fucking worse it looks. It's like the comedy equivalent of that fucking painted over Christ in that Spanish fucking basilica that woman did a couple of years back. Like, it's unbelievably unfunny. I tried reading once. I must have just had it in, like, a cafe or something. I tried reading... He used to do, like, a column in the voice of Titiana McGrath. 
Oh god! You know, like, it's yeah. it's just like honest to god one of the least funny things I've ever read in my life. The worst parody of the exact thing that it is, but it's actually being paid for and fucking bought for by like either Rupert Murdoch or the fucking Barkley Brothers or whatever. Like, I couldn't the, the get one joke thing is, is almost too generous for that character. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking astonishing. It's just like, well, I went and bought my oat milk latte on my iPhone and shit. You know, like every single sentence. It like, can't it's... keep its own simplistic gimmick intact because sometimes it does that sort of stuff like, ah, I'm an ignorant stereotype and I support these marginalised groups. And then other times it's just sticking the boot into these marginalised groups. <laughs> like, just like, presumably Doyle's like foaming and lost the plot and just like ranting and raving at the keyboard. What would you guys guess it says under political views on Andrew Doyle's Wikipedia page? Well, we know what his actual views are, but I'm guessing that he's going to say that he's a centrist. He's claimed claimed previously to be of the left, um, or being a former leftist. Doyle describes himself as left-wing and (laughs) criticises political correctness and identity politics. Okay, he does... He does be criticising that. Uh, he is a Brexit supporter. Okay, again, yeah, fair, yeah, makes sense. That's <laughs> fine. That's really fine. Doyle supported Jeremy Corbyn during the 2017 United Kingdom general election. Yeah, no, fucking didn't. citation. He did. That <laughs> he fucking did. Well, but no fucking chance. The citation on that is an article called uh, in the Daily Telegraph called. <laughs> I went to war. <laughs> I, I went to war with the PC police and gained 260k followers. Fucking hell! Yeah, so I, a, if you ever cat like, it's look, just like click, imagine that sounds like the kind of piece like... where one would outline one's support for Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> click through to that, right? So the photo on it is him, but he's got Titania McGrath's head on a stick, like he's peeking out from behind, and he looks even creepier than normal just fucking peering out <laughs> from behind oh fucking jesus it also, it also doesn't say anything on his wikipedia about what party he supported during the 2019 united oh, hang on yeah. yeah it says i've been trolled endlessly on social media by people branding me a typical right-wing privately educated straight man well i voted for corbyn went to my local comp and i'm gay so, gay as hell, like. Oh, he's gay. He can't be right wing then. <laughs> well, he, you know, he, he's had that argument with people a lot of times. Oh, no, see, before he blocked everyone, he used to do that all the time. But, there has like, never been a right wing gay like, man. I, I voted for Corbyn. That that could mean he voted for him in the leadership election. He might have been one of those Tories that's like, ah, let's join and vote for Corbyn as a joke. Yeah, it like Toby even... Young, huge left winger. Yeah. <laughs> I just got like a Google image grid up of just pictures of Andrew Doyle. And up until just looking at it now, I didn't realise how small his fucking face is. His face is so small. It's tiny, small. isn't it? It's yeah, tiny. fucking hell, man. The face and the head shape are like completely disproportional. He looks like, I don't know, Garen's probably close to my age. You know, like the knick-knack adverts in the 90s? Yeah. That's yeah. what his face looks like. It's unbelievable. Do, do you remember the old Will Smith meme that was like Wall Smoth and it was face like shrunken into the middle of his head? <laughs> it's, it's that it's literally that and <laughs> his face is so small in fact like... there was the, I, I can't remember who it was someone on left where uh, I think around the 2019 election would just respond to like ridiculous right wing commentators with 
their face shrunken on their giant head. Uh, <laughs> I think it started with Brendan O'Neill, obviously, and then did it with others. But Andrew Doyle looks like someone's done that to him as a baby if it's just never fixed. It's well because he's always... I, I don't know, I've met... When I was at uni and that, you'd meet the occasional person that was broadly spike-dish politics. They always see themselves in the iconoclast. They always idolise Christopher Hitchens and mm. people like that and see themselves as a bit of a contrarian and of this sort of weird intensity to them. And he mm. sort of tries to convey that in all his photos. He always like, look really serious and like stare yeah. down the camera and be like... Yeah, like, like yeah, the Christian I'm, I'm rock album cover in South Park. Look up and like, <laughs> Token, stare off into the distance like you don't care about me doing a photo shoot. There's <laughs> actually a half-decent Cartman voice. I like that. Oh, thank you. But, like... <laughs> you said, Stan, me and Kenny don't give two shits about stupid-ass whales. We were talking about Wales the country. <laughs> like, with Spike politics, I entirely disbelieve that he voted for Corbyn, because, like, one of the few consistent things of Spike's politics since yeah. basically the 70s is complete anti-Labourism mm, and, yeah. like, calling on left-wingers not to vote for Labour, so that's not fucking true. And he doubly wouldn't have done it with, like, a sort of old new-left type, like, Corbyn. Yeah. Just Spike Lodge would have fucking hated him the moment they even saw him, in, like, in his little cloth cap or whatever. The Spike people would be like, oh, it's just simply not contrarian enough for me. Like, yeah, yeah, he and, agrees. And, and, too many people agree with him, I fucking hate this one. But it back. shows how these people, they're not really, really about being contrarians in the sense of just opposing the dominant view. It is just about being right-wing for them, because mm. if you wanted to oppose the dominant view in the British mainstream, you would fucking love Corbett. Um, yeah, yeah. But, like, I'm just confused by why on Andrew Doyle's Wikipedia it primarily cites him as being a playwright. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the first thing listed there, and I'm looking down his career section, and it talks about various stats stand-up shows so i guess i guess fucking like richard pryor was a playwright like fucking james <laughs> corden uh, is a play does he no i don't think he's actually done stand-up i don't technically know. stuart lee's a playwright so you know maybe paul mason trying... is a playwright he actually has written a few plays <laughs> <laughs> nicer i find these people like completely exhausting and it was just like every time they've with the spike lot because They've got this sort of idiosyncratic definition of what it means to be left-wing. It's very, it's like a sort of, I remember reading like an article by Owen Hatherley about it years ago, but it's sort of a mixture of neoliberalism and high Stalinism. So they think that the most left-wing thing you can do is build a load of tower blocks and then insist that everyone drive there on a motorway. That's like the most <laughs> left-wing thing you can do. I, I remember like... that Mick Hume guy who's big <laughs> in spike circles. That, that stupid cunt. <laughs> he would, like, during the whole, like, Levinson inquiry thing and phone hacking shit, he was really, really against press regulation in his column in Rupert Murdoch's Times. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, they sort of create, it's like the same with Peter Hitchens is a much better person than his brother, and he's a much better <laughs> writer, and a you know, much funnier person than fucking Amy, one of the people we talked about today. But like, with fucking Peter Hitchens, it's just like, there's a bit in Alice in Wonderland where Humpty Dumpty <laughs> explains that every time he uses a word, he's using it to mean what he means and nobody else's meaning necessarily has to concur with that and like Peter Hitchens is exactly like that it's like he believes Tony Blair is a Euro communist and stuff like that you know what I mean but if you say like 
what the fuck you want about that's mental and you just be like no you said he's a euro this back in the 70s he said that and it's like what the fuck are you talking about but like all the spike lot are like that but the problem is they've got like this perfect factory where they're producing on a good year about a dozen of these cunts every single fucking year <laughs> so someone says the most left wing thing you can do is to plant a kerosene bomb under a wind turbine and then there's like 20 fuckers just agreeing with them all of whom were like got indeterminate jobs either in the Murdoch media empire or in the sort of broader spiked think tank empire and it's just like oh maybe this is an actual strain of opinion you know the main thing I remember back when I used to read their fucking website is they were like really vehemently opposed to the child uh, what's it called no the sex offenders register <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I bet they were. so that's the main thing I always think whenever I start thinking like oh maybe they made a good point they literally, <laughs> they like they when I when I was like in uni, they were running like a series, you know, like what they considered to be, but obviously completely ineffectual campaign against background checks for people who worked with children. <laughs> like some of the maddest fuckers who have ever lived, and then they've just got like you know every single one of them's on six figures, you know, gets to yeah. go on TV whenever they want, gets to go on Radio Four every yeah. single fucking week of the year. It's well, fucking bizarre, man. I have found by staying on uh, Andrew Doyle's Wikipedia page, I have uh, eventually got to the bottom and found that most of his plays have in fact aired on Radio 4. Uh, (laughs) There's one called Borderland that it doesn't say, I guess that one was in a theatre, but the others, yeah, all Radio 4. Listen to his bibliography. So first off, you got Jonathan Pye off the record. So he got foot into the publishing world by glomming onto the Pye phenomenon, and then Following that up, you've got Titanium McGrath's Woke, A Guide to Social Justice. That sounds uh, very funny. And then Titanium McGrath's My First Little Book of Intersectional Activism the following year. Sounds, again, very funny. And then 2021, he's like, I'm done being funny. I'm done bringing the laughs. And he publishes his first book under his own name, Free Speech and Why It Matters. The imaginatively titled Free Speech and Why It Matters. <laughs> Imagine fu- your kids kept buying you these books for fathers. <laughs> Fuck one for the special firing filing cap the special firing cabinet that I just shoot every day with guns. <laughs> then so he's published book up fucking alert basically every year apart from twenty eighteen for like the past few years. The New Puritans how the religion of social justice captured the Western world. <laughs> that was fucking... literally a Leon Herring sketch from fucking Tormringer. <laughs> what a lazy fucking cynical grift this is, ultimately. I mean, stuff is just so boring. I think it gets on my tits in particular because we are talking before about the sort of contrarian self-presentation of these people. And it's just like... Who the fuck do they think is in power? <laughs> who do they like? Who do they think is in power in this world? Like they, gen- they literally they convince they just themselves genuinely... that everyone in power is left wing, basically. <laughs> so fucking stupid. That's it. It's like, it's like all these people like on the left, and then they just name like a Bill Gates and Soros and a bunch of capitalists. All How these can you people look at the... any part of British society and be like, yeah, the left have won. But like with fucking Stephen Kinnock, right? Oh yeah. And Stephen Kinnock. Stephen Kinnock's like got a safe seat, the seat next door to where I live. You know, um, I nearly forgot to say the Welsh in Aberavan, and um, he like has just been like you know parachuted in there. Obviously, just like the son of a fucking party grand. Yeah, he he right? sa- he sounds more English than Geraint does. 
So, like, fucking Stephen King, like, he's like a sort of blue labour type, and you occasionally see these things in the press where he's like, oh, you know, thing is, we simply need to get a handle on immigration, you know, all that stuff. He's, like, really hard on it. And then, do you know the fucking... Guess the percentage, right? I looked it up. The county in which I live, what percentage of people are non-white, do you reckon? 0.1. 0.1. It's actually 3% of people are non-white. Okay. So, in terms of the place that he's representing... There's literally three people out of a hundred that are not white. And he's like, if anything, they're coming over here. You know, it's like, just fucking not coming over here. Like, have you fucking been to Aberavon? Like, literally never fucking goes to his own city. It's, it's, often, like, it's often the case that the areas with fewer migrants in, less of an increase in them, a lower percentage of non-white populations mm. actually are the most hostile to it. I grew up in North Cornwall, right? And I, I went to a secondary school that was like roughly 1,300 pupils. And mm. I think we had, most of the time I was there, it was less than 10 that weren't white in the whole school. It was maybe, maybe just over that around the time I, I moved to Scotland. But you would not meet many people who weren't white. And yet there was considerably more racism than when I moved to Scotland, where there's still a, a fairly low non-white population, but <laughs> mm. you couldn't not meet people who weren't white. And to some extent, the sort of racism might make sense in that people don't know how to fucking conduct themselves around people yeah, who don't yeah, look yeah. exactly like them. It pisses me off as well, because basically, it used to be, back in the old days, that you would give, like, the seat I live in, Neath, in the 2017 election, right, you had not just a sort of plurality or, like, a big increase in the Labour vote, a majority of people voted Labour. <laughs> so it was 51% of the electorate, I think, voted Labour in 2017, you know, the fucking glorious election of 2017. Yes. But, like, it's like an extremely fucking labour place it, for the foreseeable is going to continue to be like that and it used to be that you would give this seat to somebody like fucking Michael Foot or Peter Hayne used to be the MP before he fucking melted but you'd give them to the left wingers in the party to keep the left of the party on side and to basically keep them quiet because you give them like a job for life and then it's like, well, they're going to be like a good representative for that area, but they, you know, they'll occasionally do things like speak at demonstrations and stuff. But generally, they'll be happy in the Labour Party. And now they just put fuckers like Stephen Kinnock there. Like, you couldn't have a fucking safer Labour seat. It's just this sort of mad prick who's like eating an orange without using his hands and shit. Just like the fucking <laughs> weirdest fucking lizard freak on earth. You just give him this safe seat. It's like, oh yeah, you could you never have to do any work for the next sixty years. There you fucking go. Like, do you want to hear my my Stephen Kinnock impression? You've heard my Neil Kinnock impression. Do you want to hear my Stephen on. one? Uh, Please. Hi, I'm Stephen Kinnock. <laughs> He was like married to was it like the Danish Prime Minister? He- he- Helena Thornham Schmidt or something. <laughs> Nice one. But she was like the same sort of blue labour, like we, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, ostensibly social democrat, but like extremely anti-immigration, if I remember correctly. But like he sort of just inherited that from her. But it's like even that's like so fucking fruity. It's just like, you know, actually my politics are sort of Danish neo-social democracy. You know, like fucking this little fucking nerd who's just got this fucking safe seat for life just because he happened to be born to a complete fucking political failure. Yeah. <laughs> fucking... Drives at the pole. Anyway, so is there anything more cheery to talk about? Uh, okay, let's talk about Corbyn. Um, so, <laughs> people will have, um, in a recent article for Navarra Media, our longtime friend and collaborator, Juliet Jakes, described us as a Corbynite podcast. 
Now, I may prefer, as I pointed out on Twitter, the term Starmer critical, but let's just <laughs> uh, try and embrace this slur. Let's try and uh, turn it back on those who've used it against us. Now, so, we got an article to look at. Yeah, I'm it's fine. One of, Got it here. So we were ta- we were talking about the Anne McElvoy article, right? R- yes. Rather than the thread of a hundred reasons to hate Corbyn by uh, Margaret Thatcher, Twitter user. <laughs> I've not Thatcher. seen. I've, I've not seen that, but I might look that up after because that sounds appalling. That's really funny. It's like, it's great. There's all like stuff that I didn't know about Corbyn that I uh, found, you know, obviously yeah. made me love him more. So it's all this like obscure worst stuff. Every, every time like, you know, someone does a thread like that, it's like. 50-50 complete lies and stuff that reminds you how good he is. Yeah, it's unbelievably <laughs> cool. Like he... There was an old one by, what's his name, Robert Colville, Colville? Uh, the guy who looks know. like a fucking condom. Uh, <laughs> and it was like, uh, he doesn't look like and raving like a... about Sorry. his foreign policy and it's like, he said America did bad things in their foreign policy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's factually true. And people would link like proper citations of like, look, this thing he said is true, his is evidence. And the guy would reply with like, Yes, but tell the voters that. Tell uh-huh, <laughs> Fucking Robert Colville, he looks like either you know, like one of those sort of uh, horrendously inbred Habsburg kings. <laughs> you know, yeah. like they got that weird jaw. Or he looks like one of those novelty ice cream lollies that you used to get, which are in the shape of a foot. That's what he looks like. That's what Robbie Colbert looks like. <laughs> yeah. Specifically, what he looks like is the cartoonist Steve Bell used to <laughs> draw a caricature of David Cameron. And uh, he, like, yeah, he looks no. exactly like that. I'm gonna, in fact, Wrapped in a condom. No, just put it in the chat there. That and then a smiley picture of Gates. <laughs> uncanny, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all these like threads of like reasons to hate Corbyn, yeah. like the one that Margaret Thatcher did, they, they fucking... The 50% of it that is actually true, they just remind you that he is just unbelievably cool compared to the average politician to the extent that it has been and particularly to Margaret Thatcher yeah it has been actively suppressed by both his supporters and detractors just how cool he is (laughs) (laughs) it was always the thing they always bring up these things that he like supposedly did which are awful and they were always the best things they're also the things that the people who were trying to get the Colbyn project to have any kind of support in the broader parliamentary Labour Party were like trying to soft pedal so they'd be like he supported Brexit and it's like yeah that's cool as fuck do you understand <laughs> what, what, <laughs> one I liked was it, it was like he said that Hamas should have tea with the Queen <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the coolest thing I've ever heard I fucking didn't know it's that it's so quintessentially <laughs> British you know it, it's such, <laughs> he, he is such he epitomises like the best of, uh, of this nation well, it's also like the kind of twee thing that we were talking about with like stoners earlier on. There. Sorry, I'm going back a step, but with Spiked, one of the things I fucking hated about Spiked is they didn't support any of the anti-Iraq war mm. protests because they were like, oh yeah, they used the slogan not in my name, which wasn't even a particularly prominent slogan at the time. But they were like, oh yeah, no, it's, it's really individualistic slogan. It's like, that's the shittest basis on which not support like an anti-war movement. The fucking stupidest thing I've ever heard. But... One of the things in like that anti-war movement was he had those signs with Tony Blair with like a teacup on his head, and it said "Make tea, not war." Oh my God. And it's like I think 
if anything, you shouldn't support the anti-rock one brought desk of that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like fucking twee bullshit. Like, well, like, yeah, Hamas should have tea with the Queen. Well, yeah. I'm just looking at this list now. <laughs> the demented thing about it is because it's someone that pays for Twitter Blue. They've done all 100 in one tweet. Yeah. <laughs> but number 24, right? So there's there's loads that are like, said Hamas and Hezbollah are his friends, called for Hamas to be removed uh, from the terror ban list. I never knew by... that Hamas and Hezbollah friends one. I've never heard that story. I've never <laughs> That. Number 24 called Hamas serious and hard working. Now, I'll be honest, I think even most of Hamas's harshest critics would probably agree that they are serious and hard working. They've got incredible work clear like, goals and they're deeply committed to them. <laughs> they're Paul Schools or something, you know? <laughs> the Hamas Queen example, though, is just, it, it's great because it's that English gentility. Oh, you know, we'll sit down and have a nice cup of tea, even though you're the queen and i'm a a republican i'll sit down and have a cup of tea with you and you should do the same with hamas (laughs) (laughs) what's the thing is it's got the the, it's got the fucking twenty thousand pound lie from press tv in it oh of course it has so james ball now influencing margaret thatcher that's (laughs) Um, how the tables have turned (laughs) said the death of osama bin laden was a tragedy now i don't think that they put the word tragedy in quote marks because yes that was a word he said in a completely different context i mean you can tell with that it's like okay that is absolutely being taken out of context because it's like no sensible person hears that and is like he is praising bin laden what he said was, like, they should have fucking uh, put him on trial instead of fucking just shooting him in the head unilaterally and dumping him in the sea. <laughs> what a co- what a pro-Bin Laden position that is, that a criminal should stand trial for his crimes. This is just deranged, isn't it? I can't find uh, where well, like, I linked it. It's, it's surprising, but, like, what always shocks you about is how heavily they lean on the anti-Irish Republican thing. Yeah. Because, like, you yeah. know, they talk about, like, Hamas meeting the Queen and shit. It's like fucking Martin McGuinness and Jerry Adams did all that fucking shit. Yeah. They, like, met the Queen and shit. That's, like, water under the bridge. And I was, like, universally yeah. agreed on. And the same fucking centrists who were, like, oh, Good Friday Agreement, you know, an incredible achievement, brought an end to the conflict in North, in North Ireland, you know what I mean? The same people who say that so then go, oh, well, he was terrible to support that. And it's like, the Good Friday Agreement literally just gave a fucking amnesty to all the fucking people. I mean, it, it accepted that they were legitimate, that they, fucking, you know, they were fighters in a war. Like. Yeah, you can never, like, oh, no. ever, ever underestimate how ignorant the average British person is about Ireland and Irish politics and what's happened in Northern Ireland over the last century. They, yeah. There's just no awareness no at all. To it, so like, yeah, yeah. If someone says, IRA, then people just say, oh, there were some bombings, that's bad. You know, there's, there's no <laughs> there's no actual fucking awareness of even who the IRA really are Yeah, beyond the bad guys, you know? They've seen the season of Sons of Anarchy with the IRA in it and think they're like a Nazi militia. <laughs> they, they, they watched that film with Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan and thought that was, if anything, too toned down compared with reality. Yeah, know? where it's like Jerry Adams is still yeah. doing terrorism. <laughs> I love that. Like one of my favorite Peter Hitchens things is that you know, like the Simpsons thing with Lenin's mausoleum, and when like Lenin comes up the tomb and that, and he's like, "Yeah, you're right, never decommissioned. They're still active. Jerry, Jerry Adams still head of the Army Council and stuff." And he's like, 
Could well be true, all of that shit. But he's literally the only person in Britain who still thinks that and still cares. <laughs> I fucking love him so much. <laughs> I think if he stood in my constituency and vote for him, regardless of the fact that like, <laughs> he would uh, probably want to just put me down the bottom of a well or something. Yeah, he, he does just <laughs> kind of think like, homosexuality is wrong and stuff, doesn't he? We like I think he like a lot of people who believe that he had a gay son, so I think he it changed. Oh, it. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so that's the one thing <laughs> we didn't want to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, fucking okay. Let's do this article then. We can maybe return a bit. Oh to... my god! Apparently, that account, Margaret that particular Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher cosplay one, is run by the fake Basil Brush account, uh, yeah, the that... right wing Basil Brush. That checks out. The, the one that. Um, <laughs> Laura, who used to be on this podcast, wished violence on. I think specifically wanted him kneecapped. And uh, <laughs> and, the, and the official account of Mr. Ben, the fellow 80s cartoon character, liked her tweet and was like fully endorsing it. Well, what's really funny was like when was like uh, so Owen Jones has a centrist brother called Ben, whose Twitter account was at least at one point styled after Mr. Ben. So basically, I got into I got into it with this guy on Twitter. Then the Mr. Ben account that Garite mm. mentioned came in and, like, aired out the guy and was like, you do not represent the Mr. Ben <laughs> brand. And then Owen Jones... He, he loves doing that because there was some dickhead male photographer that... Um, oh, and, oh, and then was... Owen Jones DM'd me to say uh, to keep ripping on his brother. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, like, I'm so fucking, like, I probably tired, isn't it? But I literally thought you were talking about Owen Smith. All you can see is Welsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I fucking Owen Jones has got Welsh in him, and he's just, you know, mm. fucking crossed over to the side, like, crossed over to the other side. <laughs> oh, wait, for many generations ago, he's a traitor, you know, he's, he's born to him. I believe that he's uh, from uh, Anne Coffey's constituency, uh, Peter McNabb's constituency. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do this evening standard shit, then. Oh, yeah, uh, so let's link the article Anne in the McElvoy, chat. prolific shithead. I'm just getting you the link now. I've sent uh, it to oh, right, already. Right, okay. So I'm going to read the intro of this because this is the first bit that stood out to me. So the headline on this is Anne McElvoy. Jeremy Corbyn is back and has much in common with Farage. <laughs> he didn't, so, but he's gone away, reevaluated everything, and he's uh, he's rebranded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's like he's so, got much in common with Farage. Like you know, he 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 uh, breathes in oxygen and uh, you know breathes out CO two. He is a man. He exists. <laughs> all these things, all these points in common. So the first paragraph. See if you can twig the first bit that stood out to me as like what the fuck. So guess who's back? Guess who just got back today? As predictable as rain squalls in a London August, Jeremy Corbyn is on the march to annoy mainstream politics and especially a moderate Labour leader who might actually run the country. An article in the ideologically aligned local (laughs) paper declares the need to make Islington North the hub of an economic alternative to the shared caution of Starmerism and Sunak. So, ideologically aligned. Are you telling me there is a newspaper hyper-local to Islington that is... Left wing, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and commercially viable despite 
<laughs> only being distributed in and around Islington. She talks about local papers. <laughs> and there's no link to this article that definitely really exists. She talks about in... local papers being aligned to the politics of the local MP ideologically. She should fucking try reading the Ilford Inquirer. <laughs> Not the Ilford Enquirer, though, which is deviationist Ilford North nonsense. <laughs> it's, fu- it's fucking ludicrous right? but it's just like obviously the paper is going to have like a skeleton staff of like two people if in fact it exists I don't but even then there was probably like a letter to the local reach PLC paper that said like I like Jeremy Corbyn I think he's good I hope he runs yeah. and that's evidence enough and also this provokes a I think reasonable question which is who is the evening standard ideologically aligned to like who, is yes. this a LebDev publication? Who owns that? Who's said Yes, it George is. George yeah. Osborne, yeah. I think, is no longer editing it, right? Who Who is now? No. Who Who are um, they ideologically aligned to? I mean, it's been a Tory paper to varying extents. Exactly. But it's been a Tory paper for a long time. Yeah. And there was an article literally today saying it would fall apart without LebDev's money. It's not commercially viable. Of course. The standard of newspapers. Because we salute our brave, you know, our brave Russians fueling our. Was that a genuine British question, economy? by the way? Do you know who the editor is? currently no fucking idea Matthew Dancona same Alan Rusbridger no no um... Uh, Andrew Doyle (laughs) Mike Gates Van Morrison (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yes, all of these. Yeah, it's Dylan Jones. Oh my god! Fucking hell, man! A, a the, shit the, GQ editor. The GQ guy who uses all his media connections to pretend to be an expert on music. Like he basically oh bullies god. people into letting him do music documentaries. Yeah, he's, which are like he's written a, a really book terrible about, surface level. He wrote um, a book about David Bowie, which I bet is just all like. And then yeah. he put on a different pair of clothes and pro- probably <laughs> made some music too. I don't really care. Like he's just. I've heard his books are shit, but I'm, you know you couldn't pay me to read them. Yeah, he's just um, a Tory cunt. Like when they had Corbyn yeah. on the cover of GQ in 2017 yeah. after the election, it's such a sick. I've still got the uh, issue of GQ upstairs. <laughs> I got it for Christmas that year. You know I don't fucking buy GQ. It was purely about the Corbyn things. Mm. Him looking hench as fuck on the cover. <laughs> uh, and then he literally he was embarrassed that his centrist mates made fun of this article, so he wrote a subsequent article for the. GQ website where he was like I wasn't impressed at all by Corbyn when we interviewed him, he just like slagged him. You, you don't really <laughs> tend to do that do you? You do a big no. profile of somebody as the cover story of your magazine and then a supplement... You occasionally get stuff like that like years after the fact yeah, and like, then a supplement Oh by the way we're piece. looking back on my last five years here, a supple- here were the best and worst interviewees. You know? A supplementary piece by the editor basically saying oh yeah this piece is a load of shit <laughs> but obviously he was at GQ for ages and he obviously expanded their political coverage and made it very sort of trying to make the Tories seem cool and stuff. And they had Chucker on the year after well, the Corbyn film. But their main guy that was writing most of this stuff, probably just before the bit we're talking about, um, because of reasons, was, what's his name, Rupert Myers. Disgrace. Prior to stuff actually coming out about Nick Cohen, a bit more concrete, he was probably like the most disgraced British journalist. Nick <laughs> Cohen of his day, um, yeah. That's in an industry where one senior journalist killed his wife. <laughs> like Andrew Doyle, uh, not the wife-killing thing, he's like Andrew Doyle and uh, <laughs> Rupert Myers in that he wrote a hit theatrical production called Corbin the Musical. 
Uh, oh, it was funny. The, the, one where, the one where he was just trying to sexually humiliate like journalists who said no to his creepy sexual advances in the DM. Oh, yeah. No, there was actually some stuff in there about like women journalists, wasn't there? But don't worry, we'll get back to uh, attacking uh, women journalists in a second, guys. So stay patient. But it was funny, like him and his fellow Tory co-writer, them doing like the interview circuit and trying to hide the fact they hated Corbyn. They were like, you know, we're coming for juries out. We're coming at this from kind of a neutral perspective but it was all just about him like holidaying in the soviet union with diane abbott in the 80s <laughs> he's fucking like he's still like i think he's still on twitter i couldn't tell you for definite but he was like one of those people who had like a massive disgrace i think he moved oh, yeah he, he yeah. moved and started practicing as a lawyer on the other side of the world i can't remember if it was yeah. australia or south africa and then he it was, was still it was australia i think yeah. he had yeah. some connection there anyway so he just like decamped there but yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he blocks everyone that brings up what you like. but <laughs> basically crimes, he, became, he became a total viral guy he was yeah. just, every shameless trick you see people use to try and farm numbers he'd do it <laughs> and loads of people who, who should know better or who just have never heard of him would be quote tweeting it for engagement kind, yeah kind of kind um, of like the way david schneider chatting away to it yeah, yeah the way david schneider uses social media i bet rupert wishes he'd thought of the super injunction <laughs> <laughs> you obviously point out to people like you know this guy's like a really prolific sex best who harassed over a hundred british journalists <laughs> or would-be journalists and writers he'll just block you oh, and shit. like most people will, will ignore you but he's so dedicated to it he bought a blue tech as soon as they became available <laughs> he's like really invested in having his huge platform his huge head. but he occasionally you know he'll like slag off Lawrence Fox or Nigel Farage or people like that oh yeah he's so, a moderate like, concept yeah so so <laughs> all the sort of fucking idiots who believe there is such a thing as the good Tory will just Peter Oborn fucking... there is one <laughs> there is one he's sort of an apostate he's, like, sort of an he's not really a Tory anymore no. he's, quite, he's really quite right wing in a lot of areas but he's not a fan of the Conservative Party anymore yeah but on foreign policy he is actually like so much better than Labour people on average so has this guy has he maybe retired from tweeting or is no, I think... Uh, Myers? Yeah. I don't know. Ah, uh, fuck. Because I... If you get back to Anne McElvoy... Ah, yeah, yeah. This boring fucking article. Yeah. <laughs> Stripped so, of the official Labour candidacy after his refusal to accept... Oh, the other bit in that, in that first paragraph that stuck out to me was Jeremy Corbyn is on the march to annoy mainstream politics. Who is mainstream Hang politics? On. How, what? Isn't that the job of any politician outside the mainstream to try and disrupt that and put a different case across? Isn't that literally what he's supposed to be doing? I love it. I love it. It's just literally like, oh, well, I'm mainstream and he annoys me. He, you know, it's just basically like, of those of us in the in-group, am I right, readers? Jeremy Corbyn is on the march to annoy mainstream politics, which is just a weird, a weird phrase. Mainstream politics becomes something animate. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing, is the reason for all of the sort of animus towards Corbyn. This is the sort of horseshoe theory thing that she's trying to do here. But basically what these people want to be able to do is they want to be able to determine the exact scope mm. of acceptable political opinion. And it just happens to be that the exact scope of acceptable political opinion mm. is also the 
scope of political opinion that's acceptable to MI5 and MI6. So it's just like, it's <laughs> <laughs> a fucking security A lot services. of this is that they're getting the groundwork in as early as they possibly can to make sure there's not another younger Corbyn. Mm. Like, it's a series of warning shots at this point. Corbyn himself, the worst he can really do is win a seat as an independent absolute worst case scenario for mainstream politics he decides to run for like london great organization great Um, mainstream uk i'm glad that ian austin (laughs) is uh, elevated to the lord but like that would just be like a nuisance to them for a few years and then he retires he's not going to single-handedly change the country anymore what they're scared of was that he becomes a bit of an anchor for the next thing to start developing or just that another corbyn comes along in 10 years time they want to make absolutely sure that none of the next generation of briefcases even think about aligning themselves as a socialist or a left-winger or that existing socialists and left-wingers don't decide, right, why not actually try and do something here? Yeah, exactly. So she says, stripped of the official Labour candidacy after his refusal to accept responsibility for the anti-Semitism on the left of the party he once led. Now, the EHRC reports... As much as I think it was basically a piece of shit sham document, it refused to acknowledge that mm. factions existed within the Labour Party. Yeah. The anti-Semitism on the left of the party. Well, Corbyn was, I mean, well, there's been demands that he accept all sorts of things, but there was never any kind of official demand that he no. accept responsibility for the anti-Semitism of a particular faction of a party that was a glaring the report itself places very little directly at the feet of specific people that kind of implicates more than anyone implicitly people like ian mcnichol and the guy whose name i can't remember who they settled with that was just not monitoring the inbox but it was his job to monitor sam matthews yes sam matthews him yeah this is this is like the big issue with the sort of broader narrative about this Mm. is that one of the sort of main examples that that report cites about sort of lack of seriousness about anti-Semitism or corruption with that regard is the fucking leadership directly intervening to expel people who've done borderline or allegedly or actually anti-Semitic things on the left in order to try and ward off this accusation. One of the things they fucking cite in the report is the leadership intervening to get Ken Livingston kicked out yes. more quickly. It's pretty incredible. So like... it's, it's exactly the opposite of what they're saying. It's like no, they're deliberately no. intervening against But that was the, the line in the press on day one. Yeah. The day the report came um, out, it was as coordinated a line as you can. Damning the, for Jeremy Corbyn. The, mm. the lobby journalist WhatsApp group. They had it out uh, already. Overtime. The line was already established way before the report had dropped. Every news mm. show, every article it is expected to be damning that, that was the phrase they used but no the report like it had this incredible logic because it so it's like it cited Naz Shah who's not an MP on the left of the Labour Party really soft left at most it cited her comments made prior to becoming an MP on Twitter <laughs> where she suggested that on account of Israel's fealty to American foreign policy not that Israel is pulling the strings of America, mind. <laughs> that Israel is in lockstep with American foreign policy. She posted a thing about, like, moving Israel to America or something, like some stupid meme. That was, like, years before she became an MP. This came out in 2016 in the Corbyn era. She was suspended from the party for this, so she was subsequently let back. But So her comments prior to becoming an MP were cited as an example of unlawful discrimination by the Labour Party against Jewish people. Then 
Ken Livingston's defense of her was cited as an example of unlawful discrimination. And then Jeremy Corbyn personally rubber stamping the suspension of Ken Livingston was cited as as an example of unlawful discrimination. And you have to just step back, take a step back and think, this is fucking mental. (laughs) This has no fucking legal weight. This is absurd. But and just the added mood music is this all happened in the period where the same newspapers were absolutely baying about post truth and fake news and all this. Yeah, exactly. You'd struggle to come up with a, a better example of those things than the entire dialogue around that report. Exactly, but as I point out there, the EHRC report goes to great lengths not to even fucking acknowledge the deeply integral factional mm. dynamics of the Labour Party. So already lies and smears. Anti Semitism <laughs> on the left of the party he once led, Corbyn looks set to run on a mission which is part vanity because, you know, Jeremy Corbyn is all about advancing himself. You, you've heard this line from a centrist, right? Jeremy Corbyn, he is vain. Jeremy Corbyn is self-absorbed. Uh, self-absorbed, rather. Jeremy Corbyn, well, he absolves himself for everything. You know, he's just basically he's just a me, me, me kind of guy. <laughs> Mind the guy didn't even want to run as leader. Yeah. He basically got rolled into it because the other members of the socialist campaign group that have been long-standing had already given it a go. Yeah, it's basically like how Yair is running for the US presidency because we legally can't. (laughs) (laughs) Part vanity, part stubbornness, goddamn him standing by his political convictions, what a prick, and a twist of late personality cult. Late? Right. Is there a particular late yeah. style to personality cults? <laughs> what she well, like, means that's is what you, yeah. nothing to do with any existing famous personality cults from the past that you might be thinking <laughs> of. It doesn't have anything in common with that, but I'm still claiming My it. My new album, Latest Personality Cult Volume 1. <laughs> <laughs> that exemplifies late style, that record. But Fair fucking, cool. like, it reminds me of, we mentioned this on a previous episode, but like Yasmin Alibi Brown, whatever for it be independent was like the Corbyn movement reminds me of Jonestown combined with mental illness <laughs> fucking hell well, I mean, how, how exactly does she think Jonestown came about yeah, just, just good yeah. socialist values <laughs> that's how Jim Jonestown <laughs> came about but with these people like Rachel Sharby as well isn't it but like with like Yasmin Alboy Brown and stuff now that the Corbyn thing is dead they're actually like, you know, oh, I'm just asking questions about Labour anti-Semitism, they're back being like vocally anti-Zionist and stuff when Israel bombs the Gaza Strip or whatever. And it's just the exact opposite of what Col- Colvin sort of held to these opinions way after it's personally damaging to him as an individual, let alone as a politician. He held to these opinions long after they were hurting him and his reputation forever, mm. you know, in the eyes of these fucking clowns. Whereas people like that only are prepared to say these things that they genuinely believe when it's completely not threatening to anybody in power. Yeah. So it's just like so it's, it's the exact op it's the exact opposite of like the thing with Corbynism in particular, there was like I've probably fucking expressed this to Jack previously. But like there were elements to Corbynism 
which at the time I found like a bit distasteful. There was like a sort of excessive focus on him as like an individual man and stuff. But also like first off, that's how politics works. That's how most people conceive of politics. Most people set aside a very small space in their brain yeah. for politics. So it's like you know, conference of autonomy for social justice and autonomy for the fucking Labour Party or whatever. That's how people think of it. But also one of the worst aspects of the Corbyn years for me was there were people who were often genuinely very poor people or very socially excluded people who for the first time in their lives felt yeah. enthused by anything political and then they'd express this in a way, you know, by like buying like a Corbyn hat or something or a Corbyn fucking shirt yeah. or going to one of his rallies. And then these uh I was like sort of trying to dance around the word I want to use, but these pricks they looked at that and they just went, oh, that's distasteful. They found it, like, disgusting to them on a personal level yeah, yeah. that this fucking oik or whatever had some sort of political opinion. And that's what it comes down to. And they talk about the sort of personality cult or the sort of personal drive of Corbyn. Yeah. What they're repelled by is the fact that anybody believed in him. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, a lot of his public support, if you like, outside of committed left-wingers like all of us, for example was coming from people who'd probably been of the view for a little while of, <laughs> oh, these politicians are all the same, politics can't do anything for me, mm. you know, there's no honest politicians and so on. So God forbid these people this. don't get radicalised to the far right. God forbid. They see this guy, he's <laughs> offering something different, they have a quick look at his past record and see he's been like this for 40 years, and they get sucked in by it and they get super enthused by it, but it's more focused around him than him as the head of a movement yeah. that they're joining. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's it's a bit frustrating at times that they sort of stayed hyper-focused on that to the point that someone like, no, I'm refusing to vote for Rebecca Long-Bailey, I don't trust her, you know? Yeah. She's not had a 40-year <laughs> record yet, so she'll probably turn on us, obviously letting in someone then who did exactly that, but... <laughs> I mean, well, like... you mentioned exactly that, and but that guy, that fucking guy... If you want to see what the alternative is to the stubbornness of Jeremy Corbyn sticking to your political convictions, take a look at fucking Keir Starmer, well, in literally every sense, but also, like, Keir Starmer and Annalise Dodds and Wes Streeting and Aisha Hazarika. You look at these people, like, two years ago, they were all, like, holding up the, the fucking trans flag, like, yeah, trans rights, trans rights! And now, fucking, fast forward a couple of years, the center of political gravity changes a bit and they're all on there like yeah i regret not standing up for jk rowling the most oppressed person in the fucking world who incidentally loved to make fun of poor people wearing corbyn merch <laughs> less than a year ago i think wes streetin was one of the most pro-trans mps in britain now this week he's been laying into the snp over their legislation to essentially allow more free use of self-ID. That's legislation that was like six or seven years in the making. So what he's actually attacking them for was stuff he was actually to the left of for 99% of the process of that law being drafted. Yeah. And it's like, this is the level of principleless people that we're dealing with. Yeah, meet the alternative to Corbyn, guys. We fucking said it was socialism or barbarism. There you go. I mean, he's, I think, as part of the same run of press interviews, he was saying, oh, you can't just legislate with good intentions. You, you can't... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're going to be a prominent government minister if Starmer wins. You're angling to be a future leader, and the question there is only how long until you have a leadership run. What are you going to legislate with, oh, mate, if, if, if not 
good intentions. That, that's, like, that's classic. What, what's the opposite or the alternative to good intentions? That's classic Ilford politics, because you can imagine Gates <laughs> like, my one problem with the glorious Blair government was that they governed with two good intentions. <laughs> right up to me. We would govern with bad intentions. So let's have a look at the rest of this Tana, what's it called? Anne McElroy. And she is one of the worst profile picture catfishers on the, <laughs> on the entire political spectrum. She's had the same photo like every time I've seen her for about 20 years across five different papers. Yeah, yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? That's really common in Fleet Street, to be fair. <laughs> you know, like, like the worst, they update the worst them like once every 20 years when they move paper or they have a new house style for the you know shots. They have, like, and it looks like they've aged in the, because they used the old one for so long. It looks like they've literally aged 20 years overnight as punishment <laughs> for their shit articles. I was like, wow, she looks a lot better in this one. But it's just you, some woman you, from did, Suits, the TV show. Did <laughs> no. you guys see, it was a few years ago now, when Stan Cross figured out that they'd photoshopped Polly Toynbee's head onto her own shoulders <laughs> in some bizarre trick to come up with a byline photo they were happy Classic with. Classic MSM, just sowing uh, confusion and dissent using the tactics of Vladislav Surkov. <laughs> let, let, let's continue this article. So, was there any more of that fucking thing? Oh, yeah. So, it is also a generous gift to Tory tacticians. They will enjoy the distraction from their looming electoral woes, and it gives a practical headache to Labour over how to conduct a battle for votes that will remind voters of its far left flirtation, as well as how far its economic recipe should diverge from Sunak's. So not only it will remind people of how shit Corbyn is, but it will also remind people of how shit Starmer is at the moment. Which you shouldn't do. No. <laughs> one of them you should do, one of them you shouldn't. Got that, great. So okay. it will simultaneously uh, bring to mind how Corbynism was a dark day for the Labour Party, and also that Starmer is not offering policies as good as Corbyn. <laughs> the fundamental thing here is that basically these people don't want politics. They don't want people mm. disagreeing with what they believe, yeah. whatsoever. Again, and, and try not to be trite, yeah. But the whole thing about neoliberalism being born in fucking Chile, they've been born under Pinochet, is these people don't want anyone to fucking disagree with what the Bank of England wants. Like, yeah. That's what they want. And that, that's like, for them, the thought that Starmer should have to deal with anyone to his left whatsoever is appalling. Wait. That horrifies them, the thought of them just fucking interacting with the left, let alone debating or trying to engage with them or fucking thinking through issues with them. The idea that they are there is offensive to them. Oh, whatsoever. 100%. The average centre-left person agrees with all the comments on the Real Politic Daily Mail article about how we should be put into concentration camps. <laughs> some, some of the comments were like, yeah, that sound funny, you know, we had some positive comments on there as well. Uh, I, say, I, I say we, I'm still in that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had your own mail scandal. Yeah, that's cool. You, you, you're fine. You can claim uh, claim related credit. Yeah. If, actually, if you take credit for all the controversial tweets, uh, the, the Yvette Cooper one, for example, that would be great. You should do that, in fact. It's like the Ilford Recorder tweet with Gape saying he'll help everyone with COVID because he can't get sick. <laughs> that's me, but with controversy. Um, <laughs> I'm immune to getting banned off Twitter. I got like no blowback whatsoever from that Daily Mail thing. So, sick. yeah, it was all me. 
Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, in the cuck book that we reviewed with Sinan the other week, fucking Joan Ryan straight up says, the far left cannot be engaged with in the same way as mainstream politics. She basically says, there's no role for people mm. with Corbyn's politics in mainstream politics. They can only be engaged with, like, I don't know, fucking down the barrel of a gun. So yeah, that is exactly what they mm. think. Islington North's Labour apostate... Hang on! An apostate is someone who leaves something, not who gets fucking kicked out, right? Surely? (laughs) (laughs) Didn't leave Labour. The apostate cites his record as a proud anti-austerity party. He cites his record. Corbyn is a party. That's how egotistical this man is. He thinks he is the Labour Party. Whereas that <laughs> I am a Labour is usually a statement only delivered by modest men like Michael Gates. <laughs> Real Labour values. Yeah, with a transformative programme of public investments. Pedants will remember that this was never put into practice to see if it flourished beyond the language of banners and badges. The result in 2019 was such a confident Tory win that it has left his successor having to gain loads of seats, blah, 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 blah. The sneering about banners and badges, like, so much of this comes from these people when they see people on a protest march or whatever they just don't like the look of it they don't doesn't yeah, yeah, I, don't, I don't really fancy I wouldn't, I wouldn't fancy like spending my afternoon doing that so Do you want your time you know, I can best rationalise that while still portraying myself as a good liberal person by just pouring scorn on it and on everyone that does any activism and look I mean obviously Anne McAvoy she is just opposed to left wing politics will stop because oh. Yeah, Jeremy Corbyn is not the most successful Labour leader of all time. He is, however, the British radical leftist who has got furthest to being Prime Minister in fucking history. Ever. He is the most successful person for his type of politics in this country, ever. I mean, that's a pretty impressive metric in one way. If you say, okay, yeah, there's mainstream Labour, which, like, every other Labour leader is, and then there's this one guy... Well, he has been fucking exceptional in that specific field. (laughs) The other thing is, I mean, like, they talk about not being put into practice beyond the language of banners and badges. And the thing is, they made fucking shoe whether it wasn't put into place. Mm -hmm. This entire policy, they're talking about it as though, you know, it's like, oh, it's ridiculous, he's holding this. But it's like, if it was genuinely ridiculous, you wouldn't have spent fucking five solid years trying to make out this person was going to reopen fucking Auschwitz. Yeah. I felt like obscene even saying that then, but that is fucking direct quote of like probably one of the yeah, so it's a direct quote. Yeah, no, yeah so Britain's number one Enoch Powell fanboy, Simon Heffer. A guy who literally, in his biography of Enoch Powell, devoted pretty much an entire chapter to some historians say he might have been gay or bisexual, but he definitely wasn't in his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm not, I'm not making that up. By the, way. the left's attack... This is a great pull quote. The editors, they went through this article and they found this one quote and then they were like, that's fucking fire. The left's attack on global capital is not far from the globalist mudslinging of Farageism. So, it gets properly going again. You might say, well, here comes Jeremy again. Good tub-thumping stuff. If you like your politics served with a base turned up to the max and the practical policy implications left hanging vaguely in the... Okay. When you've definitely listened to human music. Yeah, yeah. I When I go to music, what I like to get is is, is bass... <laughs> the treble. Ba- Just love the treble. Hard like, bass. It's got a fucking My Bloody Valentine kicks. Like, fat bass. Fucking loves and it. fucking practical policy implications. The other thing here, which, again, 
you feel like a fucking mad person bringing it up. But the entire project of Stalinism is to refuse to outline what your practical policies yeah. are. That's the entire yeah. point of it. And it's not just to leave it hanging in the air. It's just to, like, they don't even exist. Yeah. Mm. It's not like you've just sort of gone, oh, yeah, we might do this. It's like, well, we're not going to tell you what we're going to do. Fucking spectacular. The entire project of Corbynism was to try and solve the fact that since fucking 2008, we've had no productivity growth in this country. So basically everything is gradually falling apart. There's no investment in plant, nothing like that. The entire point of Corbynism and also Johnsonism was to try and inject that money in. And then basically they had a fucking panic during the pandemic and both parties were like, oh, we're not going to invest in anything anymore. So this is going to be the exact same shit that we've been dealing with since the last recession going into the new fucking recession. It's preposterous to say that fucking Starmer or Sunak has any policies whatsoever. Well, um, it's exactly Anne untrue. Anne McElvoy argues that the spirit of Corbynism, the investment-first economic approach, the economic radicalism, was actually channeled closest by Liz Truss. The only person, she says, who came close to economic radicalism to challenge the proposed Corbyn borrowing spree was Liz Truss. Yes. Well. (laughs) It's the opposite again, isn't it? Because what Liz Truss was going to do was to borrow to fund tax cuts to limit the amount of productive investment that was being made in the economy. These people's brains are fucking suits. It's fucking ludicrous. It's so stupid. Because it is exactly the opposite. The only way you can look at it, you know the horseshoe theory lens? Yeah. That's the only way you can look at it. You can just go, well, she wanted to do something radical, and he wanted to do something radical. It's like, the implications are completely different. The implications of what Liz Truss wanted to do was to reduce the tax burden on the highest earners so that they could basically try and encourage them to invest on their own terms in the economy and Corbyn's thing was to take money away from the highest earners to try and invest in the economy to benefit the lowest earners. It's exactly the opposite. Yeah. It's just fucking ludicrous to look at your, those two things together. But, you know, yeah. it, you know it basically, the right and the left, they are all the same if they dissent in any way from the perfectly calibrated politics that Anne McElvoy has developed so that she can continue getting paid for writing columns. Next paragraph, she says, But there is something in this tone which unites the far left and right. The belief that arguing that things are so uniquely bad means that the only way forward is drastic. What the fuck is this? The belief that arguing (laughs) that things are so uniquely bad means that the only way forward is drastic? I think I... Yeah, no, it's confused. The subject of this uh, sentence is confused. I think I know know what she means, but that's the kind of thing that you need a (laughs) sub-editor to catch. (laughs) Arguing that things... Okay, the belief for arguing that things... How about the belief that things are so uniquely bad (laughs) that the only way forward must be drastic? Something like that. But but instead, the belief that she's saying the belief for <laughs> arguing things are uniquely bad means that you, the only way forward is drastic. So what she's saying is she quotes Corbyn saying an approximation of what he thinks that Starmer Labour are saying. So how asked Corbyn are the electorate to make sense of an opposition that insists the Tories have destroyed this country yet agrees with their method of destruction? Hang on, Anne McElvoy says, 
what method of destruction are we actually going on about here? And she seems to have missed that Corbyn explicitly said, the opposition insists the Tories have destroyed this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. The fucking. Uh, what and notice what yeah, she just, does here to avoid yeah, answering the questions she's just raised herself. So, what method of destruction are we actually on about here? When Jeremy assesses actual destruction in Ukraine, <laughs> his solution is not to arm the country attacked by Moscow, but instead hand it over to Vladimir. That's Putin. what he says. Yeah, he just says we should hand That's Ukraine exactly over to says, Vladimir. That's exactly what he says. Yeah, an exact Jeremy Corbyn quote. Yes, that yes. comes closer to a working definition of what destroying a country looks like. Okay, and yeah, so, good stuff. Good, so, great, gotcha. But so he, she's picked out out of the blue. He's that saying that the yeah, Labour, as they are now, think the Tories have destroyed this country, but Corbyn thinks that they agree with the method of destruction. And she's then turned it around to say he should shut up because he <laughs> wants to give Ukraine, the whole country, to Vladimir Putin. Spectacular. I mean, it's an incredibly easy statement to read. But also, implicit in Corbyn's statement is the fact mm. that she's disagreeing with the entire premise that you should be angry about the way that Britain is. Yeah. There's almost a deliberate refusal to actually get into even the most basic surface level, like, okay, what are these hard left beliefs? They're Cor- Why are they I bad? I think Corbyn's um, just saying... Like she's attacking to... Starmer, basically, because Corbyn's saying, like, if you genuinely believe, as Starmer apparently does, that Britain has been destroyed, then you want radical change. She's saying... If you do think that Britain has been destroyed, like you're saying Starmer does, you're a stupid cunt. Yeah, man. And it's just like, we have the statistics. It's not fucking debatable. You can argue that Britain hasn't been completely destroyed, which obviously it hasn't, right? Britain still functions after a fashion. But we know that life expectancy has gone into reverse. We know that's happened over the last 10 years. We know that we've literally started to lose years of life expectancy yeah, in this country. Brexit. Because people's fucking stand... Yeah, because of Brexit. <laughs> yeah. But because people's standards of living have been so attacked and so fucking denuded by the complete refusal of the government to give sufficient money to the very poorest and their refusal to invest in things that would occasion any kind of economic growth or productive investment in this guy. It's fucking an absurd thing to No, it's just Brexit. But basically... Just like Francis Barber said, thanks, Jeremy, we had a nice life. Then you took us out of the (laughs) EU, and now now we have strikes and anti-Semitism. I'm looking at this, lad, and there's a pretty long article in it, but there's not much substance here beyond this. I mean, what she's basically saying is that Corbynism is dangerous and Farageism, which is obviously the same as Corbynism, is dangerous because it overstates the problems faced by Britain. Yeah. And I think, Why like, is it I so think it, it's particularly fair. Like, in then? Who gives a fuck? Yeah, yeah. If the Tories are doing it's such like, a good job. Well, that's the thing. What she's trying to do here is constrain it to the two options that are acceptable to her. But also, I'm no fucking Jason Williamson here. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be writing fucking elaborate songs or fucking drawing cartoons about how Britain's like a shit tape and stuff. But fuck me, like, you have to be so insulated from any kind of... Just to, mm. like, just to walk out on the fucking street, just to walk through, like, a town centre in the country, you can just, like, genuinely, like, 
see fucking homeless people, people who are like obviously visibly struggling with really yeah. severe untreated mental health issues. You see all the shit around you constantly. It's not a fucking nice place to live. Well, and the idea also half the shops in every town centre shut. I feel it is. I'm feeling like Lisa Landy around your life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but the homeless I feel thing. Thing. I feel like, like you know, things tripling in price in the supermarket. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's so fucking bad. But obviously, if, if you've had a six-figure fucking income from like the Economist or the fucking mm. Evening Standard, somehow writing an article that everything's fine from the vantage point of central London <laughs> since before the Berlin Wall fell down. <laughs> That idea wouldn't have occurred to you. Yeah. The idea that these sort of places fucking scream in in this country. Screaming for uh, change. Well, she Go highlights in a, in a next fucking paragraph, most voters, skipped a bit, fret that the economy, health service, education and more are proving unequal to the task of delivering. And obviously that, you know, is, is a mainstream belief, a true belief, and these are most of the main pillars of a society. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's like the health service pretty bad. About that, and a couple of bollocks buzzwords about artificial intelligence and stuff. They expect politicians to get serious about workable ideas. They worry. So she's highlighted mostly sensible reasons for people to worry, and then, but they do not, on the whole, think a lurch to the hard left or right is the freedom pass to solutions. The hard left, hard left, the hard left, 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 hard left. The next paragraph is <laughs> fucking amazing. There's never, ever, ever any centrist sort of, okay, here's how we actually tackle these gigantic problems. Yeah, the solution is just to uh, elect nice people like us who fucking hmm. know better than everyone else. Uh, yet there are more commonalities in the splintered debate than might seem apparent. The despair spiral, quote, not cited, attracts followers of Nigel Farage as much as the old left. Corbyn enjoys bashing banks for doing actual banking. <laughs> Farage thinks they are bad at the These end. days, just for investing heavily in arms and fossil fuels, <laughs> they lock you up and throw you in jail. I love that she, she just thinks, you're criticising the financial sector. That is fucking mm. mental. That is extreme politics. <laughs> like, a sort of state of amnesia about the 2008 financial crisis. I mean, this is essentially a position to the right of Thatcher. On banking in particular. The thing is, as well, we were talking earlier about sort of post-financial crash, like Occupy and stuff, but Corbynism was never that sort of crude banker bashing and stuff. And what was genuinely impressive about it was, and this is, again, what people like Anne McAvoy, or the fuck you say that name, finds disgusting, is that you would talk about the creativity and capacity for self-rule and stuff of poor people. So he wasn't like, you know, going there with those evil bankers with their, you know, hook noses in the fucking back room in Hogwarts no. or whatever. He wasn't doing that shit. You know, to give like, people a, a bit more agency and, and, yeah, yeah. And, and prove their material conditions to allow that. Yeah. Like, the worst things <laughs> you can do, apparently. Farage thinks the bankers are bad at the actual banking because they are distracted by putting up LGBTQ posters. That's half of what Anne's yeah. colleagues and probably her herself also <laughs> yeah, but, think. But, that's yeah. probably a Yusha's column next week. The left's attack yeah. on global capital is not so far from the globalist mudslinging at corporates, which at corporates, which is the latest iteration of Farageism. She's got a point there yeah. because they both have the word global in oh, them. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah. You can't deny that. Well, it's well spotted. Yeah. Well yeah. spotted. It's fucking ludicrous, isn't it? But it's just like, again, <laughs> global capital is a system and 
the site of relations, whereas globalists are a group of people. Of, 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 so of people this, descended of the sons of Abraham, one could say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fucking ludicrous. They are different things. Yeah. Just because they look hmm. superficially similar. The problem with Farageism and right-wing attacks on globalism isn't because they say the word globalism. It's because of the particular conspiratorial routes they go down as they outline it and some of the conclusions they draw Yeah, from well, the it. right-wing anti-globalist thing is just all like Schwab and Zuckerberg and Soros and fucking... Hmm. Uh, Who's pulling the strings? Gates. The Rothschilds. Targeted yeah. individuals. Have to get to the bottom of who's pulling the strings. They're they're all sat together at the World Economic Forum meeting pulling the strings, whereas the the left is like, well, yeah, the World Economic Forum is probably a malign Mm. instrument of global capitalism, but it is just that. It is just an instrument. Here's how the structures of capitalism operate and why it does damage to people's lives in service of better capitalist well, that's results. That's the thing, I mean, we don't want to bring up South Park again. Let's do it, it's let's like fucking do it. Sort of, <laughs> yeah, with the theories about things like the World Economic Forum or the sort of New World Order theory of various other things that have preceded it. They're like sort of the underpants norms theory of <laughs> politics where it's like, you know, we're going to accrue all this power and then mm. fucking question marks and then profit at the end. They never explain why you know, in the New World Order theory, these people want to get rid of 95% of the population or whatever, you know, all these sort of lunatic things they believe, because they don't hang together logically, whereas the people who are in charge of these institutions want to do this because it will help them and their friends and the rest of the people who do that same type of work to continue in power and to continue to assert control over our lives and stuff. It's actually a more compelling story. And is actually correct, as opposed to fucking just like some <laughs> lunatic thing about how global homo is going to come and fucking take a car away so that you can walk to the doctors in ten minutes or whatever. Anyway, bastard. Bastard. <laughs> fucking bastard. Yeah. So I just I just read the last two paragraphs of uh, Anne McAvoy. It's it's a load of fucking shit. Basically, she's like, yeah, there's a financial crisis, inflationary climate, uh, but the Tories uh, have had. To embrace whatever the the enduring principles of pragmatic moderate politics are too easy to dismiss in the huff and puff of hot button ideas and bad ideas masquerading she as can't write, no, can't she? Like, terrible it's, it's not the main point, but it's like one level above Suzanne Moore before the editors. Yeah, got yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> like hot button ideas. Okay, what's another like bad type of idea? Uh. Bad idea. Bad idea. <laughs> London is a left-leaning city, socially and in its scepticism of small-mindedness. But it is also... Le- well, hang on, they let you live there. <laughs> but it is also... That's a fucking diamond <laughs> mind. But it is also the place which keeps its appeal and dynamism by its scepticism of crazy town politics. It's like, like again, isn't it? Like Jeremy Corbyn, what was his personal majority? Like 20,000 <laughs> votes. It's obviously like not that sceptical of these supposedly fucking small crazy ideas. Town small politics. minded ideas. New metal catching strays again. <laughs> <laughs> so when someone with a pre five solution. What? Prefix, man. Prefix. Yeah. And for South Wales, I know. Oh, sorry, I couldn't. Re- <laughs> I didn't. I I saw the X as a V because my glasses are uh, very unclean. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. That's fabulous. Man. What an image you painted. 
<laughs> so when someone with a prefix solution to all our woes, with a large dose of backward-looking sentimentalism attached, takes hold of the loud hailer, it's worth looking at the questions they can't answer about their grand plan. All of that applies to centre-right status quo politics. <laughs> Every word of that. More so than it does any of the tendencies you critique it. Generally, left or right, they prefer not to acknowledge the pitfalls or practicalities. So much easier to enjoy the despair and keep on shouting. I think that's a good line on what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 let's do it. Let's... Just like, enjoy the despair, keep on shouting. Yeah. That's a fucking well, strap line to the You shouldn't episode. fucking shout, that... you, should, you should sneer. You should, you should just be it, it, you should be passive aggressive to people that's a, to be politely be fucking horrible to people I think the best critique on this article was by Anne McElvoy herself she tweeted it out and got one like in three days <laughs> like it's one, just one like as of immediately before we started recording and then her very next tweet after sharing the standard tweet about this one was niche one for Costa Brava eating cognoscenti where's great for seafood in roses have done that thing where you eat brilliantly one year and spend the week telling fam you nearly remember where the resto is have done raffers opposed to all reading this in the office so it's just a nice nice, attach that as a coder on the article just to be like by the way, this person has no stakes in any of what she's talking about <laughs> whatsoever. She's going to be fucking Sucking. fine. She's a multiple holidays a year person. In other... Okay, well, anyway, so, yeah, shouting and fucking bullshit and crap like that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bob Dylan has just paid tribute to the late Robbie Robertson with a, a, a surprisingly brief statement. It's just like, yeah, it's sad. What does he say? This is shocking news. Robbie was a lifelong friend. His passing leaves a vacancy in the world. The last line is good, but it's not quite the effort he put into his Little Richard obituary. (laughs) On that note, (laughs) thanks for coming on the show, Stefan. Always a pleasure. Sorry it started and then went on so late. (laughs) Cool. Thanks, Gerard. fun. Yeah, good to have you on. I enjoyed that one. Hi. And like I'm looking forward to Jack trying to fucking edit this into something. <laughs> oh, he's 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 managed it. Will work. Yeah, yeah I'll do it. I'll do it. It'll be fine. I'll find a shape in the edit. It'll be, it'll be cool. But we de- definitely got more than yeah, enough so. shit for Patreon in this one. That's for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, okay, awesome. guys. Oh, and Ali G's coming back. Just one final bit of news coming back for for a stage show. It's a. It's what we, that's what we desperately need it. In it. Yeah. That's what society is safe. Yes. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest though, it's still a damn sight better than Jonathan Pye. Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. Order of it's going to be like the last season of The Thick of It where Ianucci gave all the writing to his subordinates. It's going to be just the entire thing's written by Lee Kern. Yeah. Now, I, I would watch that just for car crash quality. It'd just be, it'd just be the uh, most racist thing you'd ever see. It would. It would be a, it would be a hate crime from like 10 seconds. It's like, I, I, yo, I'm Ali G and I'm Palestinian now. <laughs> Yeah. I love it. Ali G in it. He's supposed to be like a sort of parody of British Asians in black American style, but they always had the cover story that his name was actually Alistair Gray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, I'm going to shut yeah, up. We've got to end this. Okay, bye. That's the end of our breaking news section of the show. Okay, bye, guys. <laughs> when bye. this comes out bye. in two weeks, it won't be breaking news anymore. <laughs> yeah, anyway. yeah. yeah, okay.
It's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing.